Hi everyone, Jonah here. Before we start this week's show, I just wanted to make a couple quick announcements. After this episode, we'll be taking a short break from publishing new episodes of CNA Newsroom. We've done this a couple times in the past to work ahead on future episodes, and it's the same now. But this break will be pretty short, so you may not even really notice it. We'll be doing a rerun on May 10th, and on May 24th, we'll be back with a brand new episode. And that brings me to my second announcement. Beginning on May 24th, we'll return to weekly episodes. That means no more waiting around for two weeks between new episodes of CNA Newsroom. You'll get a new one in your podcast app every single Monday. We're really excited about this, and we can't wait for you to hear what we have in the works. So be sure to subscribe to CNA Newsroom so you don't miss a single episode. And now, on to this week's show. Enjoy. If you've ever played a sport, you know that some of the most intense moments of a match, a race, or a game are the quiet moments, the collective intake of breath as the basketball leaves your hand, speeding toward the net, the respectful hush of a crowd as you toss a tennis ball skyward, the seemingly eternal moment between the raising of the starting gun and the start of the race. Athletes compete under an incredible amount of pressure from their fans, from their team, and honestly, from themselves. But in the midst of that pressure, God can find a way to work, mainly in those quiet moments. This week on the podcast, three Catholic athletes talk about how God has been at work in their lives and in their sports. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host, Jonah McKeown. Let's kick off. When Chicago shut down last March because of the coronavirus pandemic, Sister Stephanie Baliga was certain the shutdown would not affect the Chicago Marathon in October. She was so certain that she made a pretty crazy promise. I said in like in like April, I'm so sure that they're not going to cancel the race, that if they do cancel the race, I will run a marathon on a treadmill. You know, 26.2 miles on a treadmill. So I made this kind of outlandish statement, which is classic me. And so then they actually canceled the race. Uh, And so (laughs) I had to actually do this because I said it was going to. Stephanie is kind of a morning person. She figured she'd just wake up around four one morning, get on the treadmill in her basement and run a marathon. But one of her friends had a better idea. One of my friends, PJ Wyland, if she listens to this, um, who helped me run the team, Team Early Angels, um, she said, that's a stupid idea. Do you realize that people would be highly interested in this if you did some publicity with this? I'm like, you serious? You think people would actually be interested in this? I'm going to run 26 miles on a treadmill. The only thing more boring than running 26 miles on a treadmill is watching someone run 26 miles on a treadmill. She convinced me that people would be interested. And they were. I was talking to people the whole time. It was super fun. It was actually was interesting because lots of people came on Zoom and talked to me during the whole thing. 
um, including Dina Castor, the bronze medalist in the 2005 Olympics, which was crazy. Stephanie held the world record as the first ever woman to try to record a time for a marathon on a treadmill. But she says the best part of the experience was raising more than $150,000 for the outreach program run by her community, the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago. We live and work at a place called Mission of Our Lady of the Angels, which is an outreach to the poor on the west side of Chicago, um, where we uh, do have been feeding 3,000 to 4,000 families a month during COVID, um, as well as doing a lot of other outreach to the neighborhood. Uh, and then we do a lot of other work with evangelization and things of that nature. But during COVID, mostly, we feed people. Since 2011, Stephanie and a team of runners have raised more than $1.1 million for the mission through the Chicago Marathon and other local races. Stephanie first became interested in running when she was eight or nine years old. She registered for a youth cross-country team and quickly realized that not only did she like running, she was actually pretty good at it. She ran track and cross-country in high school, winning 18 conference championships. She was recruited by the University of Illinois to run Division I cross-country and track. It was a great blessing. I was the sixth fastest freshman in the nation in 2006, um, and I was on um, the, a team. our teams placed uh, eighth, sixth, and tenth in the nation my freshman through junior year. Um, so it was a great blessing to be part of that experience and one of the greatest and coolest things that I've done in my life. But Stephanie was sidelined by an injury her sophomore year. She says the injury forced her to slow down and honestly evaluate her life and her priorities. Um, just because I'd never been forced to stop doing anything. So I was like forced to actually reflect on what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, and what was the meaning behind any of this? Stephanie admits she wasn't very involved in her Catholic faith at the time. She was raised Catholic, but her family wasn't very serious about the faith. Running and academics were everything to her. It was who I was. I defined myself by these things. She did make a point in college to go to Sunday Mass, and she had made some friends in the process. So when I was injured, um, I had all this time because I couldn't run. And I was spending ad nauseum hours a day running and doing running-associated activities like, you know, weight work and uh, PT and things. So when I couldn't do any of that, I started hanging out with these people more. And then they invited me on a retreat where I had a very powerful experience of adoration, um, where I did realize very intensely that Jesus was really present in the Eucharist. Stephanie did, in time, recover from her injury. And when that happened, she faced a real crossroads. There was an interesting battle of the priorities of the things in my life at that point. I was trying to obviously get back in shape after the injury, which was a massive struggle because I was off for a long time and I'd really lost a lot of fitness and I'd really lost that edge. When I got to college, I'd gotten way faster than I was in high school. And I had lost, I just lost kind of like that, whatever that was that I don't even, can't even barely define. Um, and so um, I, it was just a massive struggle to try to get back in shape. Um, but then it was also like, when I started to think about running too much, I knew my life was in balance. I knew that I was kind of drawn to figure out this new place for running in my life. By her junior year in college, Stephanie began seriously discerning religious life. She found a community that seemed like a great fit. There was just one problem. I wouldn't have been able to run anymore just because of the nature of the community and the way that they do their work. And at the point I was praying and told, I came to this point where I told God, if you really want me to join this community, I will not run again. This, if this is really actually what you want, 
I will give up running. And so then after that point, there was a lot of freedom in a lot of the choices that I was making in my life. Uh, and I felt like running kind of finally kind of went back to a, it started to um, have a better place in my life, a more balanced place. In the end, Stephanie didn't join that community. She found the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago instead. And with the Franciscans, she has been able to continue running. So this is the beautiful witness is that when I gave God running, he gave it back to me in this amazing way that I never would have dreamed that would have happened. Because um, I personally always wanted to be a marathoner. I knew that it was actually the distance that I was going to be good at. Um, so I'd always looked forward to post-college when I could run marathons. God gave me this great gift back of being able to do marathoning and not for myself because I've been able to do this with this incredible fundraiser um, to raise awareness and support and money for our work here on the west side of Chicago. For Stephanie, running now complements her faith and her vocation. It's a, it's a beautiful match for people trying to grow in holiness, in my opinion, especially as I've journeyed through here and have been in different levels of shape, out of shape and in shape um, over the last few years um, as I've had time or less time. Running is a good way to help people pray and help people to um, grow in holiness if you take it seriously and uh, do it for others and not for yourself. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Michelle Arosa. Today, Dominique Dawes is a three-time Olympian and Olympic gold medalist. But back in 1996, she was a teenage girl, feeling the weight of the world on her shoulders. Before the 1996 Olympic Games, all of us, you know, we were known as the Magnificent Seven, being the first women's team to win gold. And I felt, and I'm sure my other six teammates felt that as well, a great deal of pressure. It was in the Georgia Dome, 50,000 people watching, 3.4 billion people, I've been told, watching worldwide. And prior to marching out, and while I was ready, I think, you know, uh, physically to compete and make history with my teammates, you know, I remember prior to marching out, for our competition um, as a team, I broke down. Like emotionally was just like, oh my gosh, this is too much for me. What if I make a mistake? No, I'm not ready. And this is like something I had pre prepared for, for my whole childhood. Her team captain, Amanda Borden, knelt down beside her and together they prayed. And I remember thinking, gosh, it's those, and I'm not saying praying it was a little thing, but it's something you can do at all times, that he's always got your back. He's always on your side, even during your most lowest moments. And not that that was a low moment by any means. I've gone through, you know, a miscarriage of twins and things of that nature. And that, you know, doesn't even, you know, the Olympics doesn't compare to that pain. It was good to have that reminder that I'm not alone, you know, that I can do this because he is the one that is going to strengthen me and he is the one that's going to strengthen us. And so I remember when I stood up after that prayer with Amanda, I felt free. I felt light. I felt you know what, I'm taking all this on my shoulders and I don't need to take this on my shoulders. That's what he's for. And we went out, marched out together and we all made history. John, that was awesome. Incredible routine. Finally seeing all that Dominique Dawes has to offer. She goes out on the floor. She doesn't just do the skills. She does them with her heart and her soul. It was beautiful. Tim, 9837 Dawes is in the lead. God has been a big part of Dominique's life for as long as she can remember. 
She was raised in the Baptist faith. It was primarily my mom at first. She was actually a Sunday school teacher. And my sister actually used to share the stories of how we would walk as a family to church every Sunday morning and my mom would be the Sunday school teacher. I don't remember much of that because um, I was so young, but I do remember going to church and it was uh, something that my family was very much committed to and it was really a part of our community. When Dominique was about nine or ten years old, she left home to live with her coach and pursue gymnastics full time. Her coach wasn't religious. However, the seed that my mom planted in me really took and she sowed a seed that has been one that has, um, you know, I think kept me grounded, has given me this level of discernment as I think the spirit has protected me quite a bit in my life and has steered me away from, you know, some people and situations that maybe weren't the healthiest for me. When she was old enough to drive, Dominique would go to church. I would go to an interdenominational church and I would worship there. I was constantly doing uh, Bible studies, different women's Bible studies, going to conferences, um, just really seeking peace, joy, and happiness. She was finding great success in gymnastics. She was sweeping national championships and winning her first Olympic medals. But she said she still felt like something was missing. I never felt as if that completed me. And so I always was on this quest to find that wholeness. Her life revolved around gymnastics. And gymnastics can be a pretty lonely sport. The sport of gymnastics is a barrier, at least for me. It's a very lonely sport. It's a very lonely sport. Um, especially if you're training for an Olympic Games, you sacrifice your whole childhood. And you are, in my case, training 36 plus hours a week. Um, it's a full-time job for a child. And there is the physical, the emotional, the social, and the psychological, mental grind that you go through day in and day out. She would train with teammates, but none of them were training at the same level she was. And trying to make it to one and then two and then three different Olympic games. She said she found a friend in Christ. You know, I spoke a great deal to Christ and just asking for support or um, crying out, or I would wake up in the middle of the night and just go down on my knees because I really, while I loved the sport of gymnastics and I had a passion for it and my identity was so wrapped up in it, I did feel what I know now about the sport and that it's full of a very unhealthy culture. And I felt as if that was why, as even as a young person, you know, I would pray or I would talk to Christ or I would write in my journal, you know, because I did need that level of support that I know I lacked um, a great deal of. Dominique retired from gymnastics in 2000. Around that same time, she began to feel drawn to visit a Catholic church in her area. A Catholic church in the Rockville area called St. Patrick's. And I would go and I would just sit in this church knowing very little about the Catholic faith, but I felt called to be there and I loved the sense of peace and silence. A few years later, Dominique enrolled in RCIA and she fell deeper in love with the Catholic faith, particularly with the Virgin Mary. Because I always felt, as a young person, while my mom did the best that she could, and my coach, who many times was labeled as a mother figure, you know, neither of them were truly happy 
people. And I felt as if I wanted to find or always hoped to have a mother that maybe was happy and, um, you know, those like loving arms that you can, you know, run into and just feel that sense of comfort and, and love, which I never felt as a child. She also discovered that her grandmother was Catholic. My grandmother, um, who has passed away, Lillian Catherine, was named after St. Kateri Tekawitha when she was a blessed woman, the first Native American saint. And my grandmother was full Piscataway Kanoi Native American, and she was Catholic. She, her family was Catholic. And I knew very little about this until I became an adult. And I was like, oh, and that's my grandmother, I felt, you know, calling me into this church. Dominique became a Catholic in 2013. She married a Catholic school teacher, and today they have four children together. Even though Dominique has retired, gymnastics continues to be a big part of her life. Today, she owns and operates a gymnastics academy for young people in the D.C. area. She said she strives to foster a healthy culture at her gym, a culture that is very different than the one that she was trained in. It is not the sport of gymnastics that is an unhealthy and corrupt um, sport. It is the culture, and the culture is determined by the people. She's particular about the trainers she hires to work with the young gymnasts at her gym, and she said she can notice the difference. The people that I have on board, they really are so positive. I love it, you know, um, and it amazes me because of the environment that I came from that was so critical. Like nothing you could do in the sport of gymnastics was right. Nothing was ever good enough. And I told my husband when I opened these doors, I said, I really want this big sign that says you are enough and you are more than enough because I want Every young girl and young boy that walks through our doors, either for ninja or gymnastics or preschool gymnastics, to realize that they have everything inside of them to help them succeed in life and that they are more than enough because the sport teaches you that you're not enough. Dominique also finds encouragement from her favorite Bible verse. Philippians 4.13 can't get simpler than that. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, I have to remind myself of that constantly because I need to remind myself that I'm not alone. Like, hey, I'm not, I didn't do gymnastics alone. Um, You know, I didn't get formed in my mother's womb alone. Um, You know, I didn't, I wasn't given this gift alone. Like, you know, and that whenever I get fearful or I feel a sense of anxiety, which I still go through, I remind myself that, hey, he's by my side. And sometimes I need to sit back, stay in the passenger seat, because he knows what's best for me. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Kate Oliveira. After the break, don't miss our conversation with the Holy Goalie. Stay tuned. I'm Kevin Jones, a longtime journalist with Catholic News Agency. If you enjoy hearing about the big stories or about the unknown people who played a role in them, you should subscribe to CNA Newsroom. Subscribing is easy and free on any podcast app. Just open whatever podcast app on your phone, type CNA Newsroom into the search bar, and hit the subscribe button. If you don't have a podcast app on your phone already, you can use Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or just about any podcast app available on your app store. And if you like listening to CNA Newsroom, leave us a rating and a review. Those help other potential listeners find our show. And now, back to the episode. 
Bishop Thomas Paprocki of Springfield, Illinois, doesn't generally introduce himself as a runner. He's first and foremost a hockey player. Actually, that's my favorite sport. Floor hockey to uh, roller hockey, and then eventually I learned how to ice skate and then took up ice hockey. At nearly 70 years of age, Bishop Paprocki still plays hockey regularly and coaches at a local Catholic high school. Have there ever been any funny moments when someone on the ice realizes they've just trash-talked a bishop? By the way, this is CNA's Washington correspondent, Christine Roussel. She and I tag-teamed this interview since hockey isn't exactly one of my areas of expertise. Oh, yes. They, most people know who I am. They don't really treat me any differently, but with one exception. So if I make a save and, uh, you know, so I've got them covering the puck with my glove, they'll come and try to hack at my glove to get the puck loose until the whistle blows. And then they'll apologize. They'll say, oh, sorry, Bishop. So uh, what made you want to be a goaltender? Like, what attracted you to a position where you repeatedly get hit by a vulcanized rubber puck? I like being goalie because, um, well, you're, you get to play the whole game for one thing, unless you're the backup goalie. But if you're the starter, you play the whole game. And you're pretty much at the center of the action. And uh, it's a lot of responsibility. And maybe that appeals to my sense of responsibility as well, that you've got your teammates relying on you and you're trying to do your best not to let them down. I'm going to sound like Dr. Seuss when I say this, but here goes. Bishop Paprocki actually wrote a book about hockey. Right, so the first book was Holy Goals for Body and Soul. A-plus book title, by the way. And that was written more from my hockey experience as the Holy Goalie. As big a hockey guy as Bishop Paprocki is, his latest book is about a rather different physical discipline. At my age, I'm still playing hockey, and I attribute that to my running. Bishop Paprocki wasn't exactly what you'd call a born runner. In fact, the first time he tried to go on a run, he kind of hated it. The first time I went out and ran a mile, I just uh, I didn't like it. My, my heart was pounding and you know gasping for breath. But he pressed on, and the reason was simple. For me, it was when I was in high school, uh, and I realized that three of my grandparents died in their 50s from heart disease. And I was reading about the cardiovascular benefits of aerobic training, running, biking, or swimming. And so I thought, well... If I want to live past 55, I better take up something. So I took up running. All told, since that day, Bishop Paprocki has run 24 marathons and counting. He's also raised over a half a million dollars for charity in the process. He talks about it in his new book called Running for a Higher Purpose, which came out last month. In the book, he offers expert advice on running from a practical standpoint. So it, it is a book, I think, that if someone is not a runner and is thinking about doing it, they could pick up that book. Or if they're a runner and thinking about running a marathon or half marathon, I think there's some steps in there that are helpful for that. While interweaving lessons on how to grow in the spiritual life. One of the main premises of the book is the connection between body and soul. Unlike the ancient Greek philosophers who kind of saw the the body as something that was discarded at death and you wouldn't need it anymore. You just live eternally as a spirit. Our, our, our Catholic theology is quite different. Actually, we, you know, we believe in the resurrection of the body, that our bodies will be raised up when our Lord comes again at, at the second coming. And so we are to treat our bodies with respect. So the way I wrote this book was to keep that connection so it's it's not like one chapter is about the spiritual life and the other chapter is about training to, to run. They're interwoven. The practical steps that Paprocki lays out in the book begin with recommending an honest assessment of one's physical fitness and health. Once you identify where you need to prove, improve, you have to figure out well, what are you going to do about that. 
you have to look at your state in life uh, at your age for example you know where uh, in your health your overall health so if you're just starting out for example and you're not in good health you shouldn't expect to be able to go right out and do something immediately but you you work your way uh, up to it gradually an honest assessment of one's spiritual health is similar and a spiritual director can help with this spiritually we call that an examination of conscience that is a little more difficult to uh, assess your, your spiritual fitness than it is your your physical fitness i mean your physical fitness you have measurements like uh, how much do you weigh what's your blood pressure what's your cholesterol you know things like that but even for that we we go to a doctor you know we go we go for a physical and and we have somebody check us out so that's where i think spiritual directors can also uh, be helpful because it's it's as i said it's a little more difficult to quantify that you know how holy am i well only god you know knows in a sense how, how we're growing in our holiness but your spiritual director can help guide you in terms of making progress for Bishop Paprocki, running isn't just a way for him to care for his physical health. It also provides him an opportunity to spend more time in prayer. He said he typically doesn't wear headphones while running, instead taking the time as an opportunity for silent, solitary prayer. Obviously, someone who's never run before won't be able to run a marathon right away. Similarly, someone who's never prayed or gotten in touch with their spiritual side before might find it hard to work their way up to being a spiritually healthy person. If you're not praying regularly, well, just start out with a morning offering or say grace before your your meals. If you're not used to saying the rosary, just start with a decade, 10 Hail Marys, and work your way up to, to saying a full rosary. Spiritual health, like physical health, takes repeated effort and a daily commitment. If you've got bad habits, those are called vices. If you want to put aside your bad habits... You have to work at that. You have to make up your mind that I'm, I'm not going to go back to my bad habits. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to develop good virtues, good habits. You can't go to Mass once and say, okay, I'm good. I went to Mass. You know, we have to go to Mass every week, every Sunday. Confession, too, is a sacrament of reconciliation. You don't just go once and say, well, I'm good. Uh, I don't have to go again. Uh, we have to do that frequently. So those steps then lead to the renewal. Um, you know, by repeating these steps, we make the resolution, repeat them, and then we renew ourselves physically and spiritually. Ultimately, the way we care for our physical bodies affects our spiritual life and vice versa. You know, the spiritual life can, can seem very serious, and it is. There's serious things to do, but ultimately it leads to happiness, both in this life and in eternal life. And then similarly with uh, our physical uh, exercises rejoice where we can be happy when we've accomplished our goal of, of running a marathon or, or, or just getting out and doing some exercise. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Jonah McKeown. And I'm CNA's hockey correspondent, Christine Yourself. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. Special thanks to everyone we spoke to and to Christine for helping out with the interview. Don't miss our next episode dropping on May 10th, and look out for a brand new episode on May 24th. Be sure to subscribe to CNA Newsroom on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of them. Oh, and by the way, there are actually still a few spots available on Sister Stephanie's fundraising team for this year's Chicago Marathon. We're looking at you, Bishop Paprocki. But if you want to sign up, you can do that from anywhere using the link in this week's show notes. God bless and see you next time.